if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to Peter Kirsten, our last half hour. Today is a Friday, the 12th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2021. As I noted in the opening of the show, uh, Monday is President's Day. It's a company holiday for Salem, so we give everybody the day. So you're going to have a best of show on Monday. And the reason why is it's President's Day. And uh, it got me to thinking, I really wish I wasn't off on President's Day. And the reason why is I feel like we need now, maybe more than ever, to defend presidents, particularly those two uh, whose birthdays are in this month that led to the formation of or creation of President's Day, uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. I said, I, I, they're under attack. They're trying to cancel presidential history, including the founder of the country, one of the founding fathers of the country, George Washington, and the man who emancipated the slaves and reunited a broken country after the Civil War, uh, President Lincoln, they're, they're canceling him. They're tearing down statues. They're renaming schools. So I said, I want to do something on President's Day, but we're not live. So I said, here's what we'll do. On Friday, the day before, I'm going to talk to the best presidential historian that I can think of and really the best American historian that I can think of. And he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. He is, of course, William Federer, nationally known speaker, best-selling author, president of AmeriSearch. And uh, we've had him on the program to talk about American history before, and this is a pretty doggone good time to reconnect. Bill, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Hey, great to be with you. Good to talk to you again. I uh, I got to tell you, I, I, I feel like a student again whenever I hear you speak at, a, at an event or even when I have you on the radio because you are just so filled with knowledge that I really think we all need to, to share or have shared for us by uh, people like you. Um, as I noted, I'm so disgusted um, that, you know, the flaws in the personality traits of some of our past American presidents the flaws in some of their lifestyle choices, including owning slaves, talking about Washington and Jefferson, are, are now in this century being used to overshadow their extraordinary contributions to this wonderful experiment that we have in this, in this constitutional republic. So, Bill, can you talk to us about the reality um, of some of these presidents in our in our in our history that literally we would not have our country without 
and find that balance or find the right way to teach young kids today about, you know, the, the negative parts of their 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 lives um, and, and how those should not be used to overshadow the extraordinary contributions they made. Well, right. So George Washington, he helped our country break away from the King of England. Uh, the King of England was the most powerful king that planet Earth had ever seen. He was a globalist. He was a one-world government guy. The sun never set on the British Empire. He had Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, British Guyana, Canada, Barbados, Jamaica, and, and American colonies. And uh, America's founders decided to flip it and make the people the king. So the word citizen is Greek. It means co-king. So you're a citizen of America. You are a co-king of America. This form of government uh, was unique. It wouldn't have happened had we not a 3,000-mile ocean between us and the king. And France, the second biggest power, decided to get into the war. But George Washington, he was unanimously chosen to be the Army's commander-in-chief. He was unanimously chosen to serve as the president of the Constitutional Convention. He was unanimously chosen to be the first president of the United States, and he was the only president that was unanimously reelected to a second term. And so uh, Robert Frost, the poet, uh, said that uh, uh, he was unique in that he was the only one that was uh, not tempted with power. So this is the quote. I often say George Washington that he was one of the few men in the whole history of the world who was not carried away by power. And so here, uh, when King George was getting his portrait painted by uh, an artist, Benjamin West, uh, toward the end of the war, uh, King George asked Benjamin West, well, what do they say about this George Washington now that he's defeated the king's army? And Benjamin West said, well, they say, Your Highness, that he's going to return to his farm. And the king stopped and says, if he does that, he'll be the greatest man in the world. So here you have millenniums of kings lusting for power, killing for power, and ruling through executive order. And Washington has the power, and he gives it up and goes back to his farm. And so that set the president a precedent that every subsequent president would only serve two terms. Uh, that ex- existed all the way up until Franklin Roosevelt. He got himself elected four times, served 12 years, and there was so much concentration of power that both parties settled on the 22nd Amendment, limiting a president to only two terms after that. So George Washington, in his farewell address, warned of people wanting to rule through executive orders. Um, He says whatever transient benefit can be gained by the concentrating of power is uh, outweighed by the permanent damage it does to our free institutions. So this is the danger. Uh, Somebody says, well, I want to do something good. Don't have time to wait for Congress. I have my pen in my phone. I'm just going to do it. Uh, And um, that is, no matter how good a transient benefit, whatever there is they're doing, it's going to destroy our form of government. Instead of it being bottom up, we, the people, it turns into top down uh, the executive order uh, of a dictator. So we're talking with uh, Bill Federer, American historian, best-selling author. Um, he's got more knowledge about the American Revolution and the American, uh, the colonies and the birth of this great country than anybody I know. So to the point about today and what is being done to try to cancel the memory of the great contributions of George Washington, they would say, well, Bill, yeah, what a great thing he did. He went back to his farm, a farm that was kept up and populated by slaves. He continued to hold slaves. So, therefore, how great of a man could he really be? 
Now, that's the reason I wanted to talk to you, because we can't whitewash that part of his his, you know, his history and his his life. Um, But how do you and how should we reconcile that part? And the same thing with Thomas Jefferson, um, with that part of their flaws, um, with the, the wonderful things that you just described. Right. So as science progresses, it becomes clear that there is a brand new human life in the womb from the very moment of conception. It has unique brain waves, unique heart, unique DNA, fingerprints. And so the population of the country is becoming more pro-life. Yet there are still politicians that are pushing abortion. And sometime in the future, we'll look back and say, how could that politician be for killing babies in the womb? Well, that's the attitude that was during the time of the founding. So the uh, British uh, colonized America, uh, 1619, a Dutch ship uh, was blown off course and needed supplies, and they traded some slaves for some supplies, and so that was the first slaves to America. Uh, Unfortunately, um, one of the slaves, uh, Anthony Johnson, worked his seven years, became free, and he owned slaves, white and black, and one of them was a John Castor. Uh, and after his seven years, he wanted to be free, and Anthony Johnson brought a lawsuit and won. And so the first permanent black slave in America was owned by a black man, Anthony Johnson. And Anyway, so uh, the slavery spread in the colonies. Um, there were uh, the northern colonies wanted to get rid of slavery, but the King of England was a part owner of the Royal African Company, and he was making money off it. Uh, sort of like the uh, King of England also was a part owner of the British East India Company that uh, got into growing opium in India and shipping it into China, the drug trade. Um, and uh, and then so finally, uh, when we uh, there was a Quaker and named uh, Anthony Benezet. And in the early 1800s, he pushes abolition of slavery, starts a school for blacks um, that was there in Philadelphia, and he begins to write books, and it spreads. And so this Quaker, uh, Anthony Benezet, proposes at the annual Quaker meeting that their denomination would officially be against slavery, and it passes. And so every time the government would meet, these Quakers would bring up getting rid of slavery, getting rid of slavery. And then you have the Anglican revival movement called Methodism, John Wesley, and the Methodists were against slavery. And so this begins to sweep through the colonies, and at the time of the Revolution, uh, it begins to convince some of the founding fathers. So you have Patrick Henry, who was in Virginia. He read Anthony Benezet's work, and he says, I can no longer defend slavery. It's terrible. And he pushes through a bill to have Virginia outlaw the importation of slaves. And then it influences Thomas Jefferson, who, as a lawyer, spent a lot of time defending uh, slaves to get free. Uh, That's sort of an overlooked chapter of his life. And he pens the first draft of the Declaration of Independence that got rid of slavery. But Georgia and South Carolina wouldn't go along with it since they said it needed to be unanimous. Uh, They got that that scratched out. But they did push through that the U.S. Constitution in 1807 would outlaw the further importation of all slaves. And about 19 states uh, were able to get rid of slavery prior to the Civil War. Uh, now, Lincoln's birthday is coming up, so here's a little trivia. Today, Lincoln and Darwin were, Yeah, uh, uh, Lincoln and Darwin were born on the exact same day, February 12, 1809. 
And let's compare them. Darwin's best known for the theory of evolution, which says all men are not created equal because some are more evolved than others. And Darwin's theory uh, was used by Karl Marx, dedicated uh, his book Das Kapital to Darwin. Uh, And so Marxism and socialism that has resulted in the death of millions of people um, can be traced back to Darwin. And um, socialism says the state is God. uh, And so whatever socialism, uh, Lenin said, socialism is a transition phase to communism. So wherever socialism and communism come in, they have to get rid of God because they don't want you claiming that you have rights from a source higher than the government. So Darwin uh, is known for that. But Lincoln is known for what? Freeing the slaves. The Emancipation Proclamation. And Lincoln uh, said that all men are created equal. And uh, Lincoln's last uh, act that he signed into law before he was shot was to add the phrase, in God we trust, to our coin. So here you have Darwin. All why men are why do you equal, think, Bill, if I may, I've got to jump in because I'm short on, yeah, I'm sorry, Bill, I'm really short on time here, but I want to get this last question in before we go, and I really appreciate this education. I did not know a lot of what you just said about the first uh, uh, black, first blacks enslaved in Virginia actually uh, was a black man. That is an amazing thing. I did not know, but to the, to the Lincoln point, because you're right, today is his birthday. Um, why do you think today, you know, the, the cancel culture, the woke crowd, the 1619 Project, uh, the, you know, all the, the Black Lives Matter uh, organizations and so forth have targeted certain members of history? And, and I guess I can understand why they might target like Jefferson and Washington, because they don't know the history that you just described, just saying they were slave owners, therefore eh, they're gone. What is their problem with Lincoln? Why is he in on the chopping block? Why, why do they want to take down his statues? Why was there an attempt on, a, uh, on the Lincoln Memorial, for goodness sakes, in Washington, D.C.? How can they go after the man who literally signed the Emancipa- Emancipation Proclamation? Well, you're, you're asking reasonable questions, but the tactic that they're, they're using is called deconstruction, and it's a socialist tactic where you separate people from their past, get them into a neutral where they have no clue where they came from, and then you brainwash them into the future you have planned for them. It's like a gene replacement therapy only for a culture. Uh, and this is what China did in the 1960s with, with the Mao Zedong and the Cultural Revolution, where he destroyed 5,000 years of Chinese culture. Why? He wanted to erase the past and, and then have a, millions of these uneducated young people that he could brainwash into the People's Republic of China. Uh, Pol Pot did the same thing in Cambodia. He made 1975 the new year zero. Said anything prior to that was irrelevant, and he killed anybody that wore glasses. He said, if you wore glasses, you could read. If you read, you knew the history. He wanted to get rid of the history because he wanted to do something new, this People's Republic, and he killed a third of his country. Uh, fundamentalist Muslims do this. Whenever they can come into a country, they destroy the history. And so this has been uh, a tactic that is always used when countries are being conquered. You want to erase the history, belittle it. When the you know Soviets took over Latvia and Estonia, uh, they rewrote the history to make all the Latvians and Estonians like Stone Age, and the Russians came in to bring the education. Um, you you want to destroy the and so Europe went through this. It went from a Judeo-Christian Europe with Catholic cathedrals for a thousand years, Protestant Reformation, and Jewish neighborhoods, but then it went into a secular Europe with the French Revolution and free sex, anything goes. Uh, the French Revolution they didn't want you know. 17 
92 the, the in the year of the Lord. So they made 1792 the new year one. And uh, they got rid of a seven-day week, came up with a 10-day week called a decade week. It was an intentional yeah. effort to de-Christianize Europe. So they went from a Judeo-Christian past with Catholic cathedrals, Protestant Reformation, and Jewish neighbors to a secular neutral with the French Revolution. And now it's transitioning into a socialist and an Islamist uh, future. But it's this idea that uh, you go into the classrooms. So it's, a two, it's a sales technique. So if I was a toothpaste salesman, well, the first thing I do is I tell you negative things <laughs> about the toothpaste you're currently using. I get you to, to repulse it, you know, be, and then I get you into neutral, you're open-minded, and then I give you my pitch for this new toothpaste. Bill Federer, um, simply a wealth of information. Uh, I wish I had more time so that we could continue to listen. This is tremendous stuff. But I thank you so much for uh, telling the truth and uh, educating people about what is really going on, especially uh, this holiday coming up on Monday, President's Day. Our presidents yeah, deserve I, I did a new to be book commemorated on for what they do. I'm looking at it right now. Socialism, socialism, the real, yeah, the real history from Plato to the present. I was looking at it right yeah. now, and I'm glad you brought it up. I covered Let's, the construction uh, in there. AmericanMinute.com is my website. Bill Federer, that is so wonderful. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for uh, writing the book as well, and I will continue to promote that. That's Bill Federer on AM 1420, The Answer. It's called Socialism, The Real History from Plato to the Present. You've got to read that. And as you heard, make sure you subscribe to the American Minute at AmericanMinute.com, and we'll be back. Ten thirty-four. We continue now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thank you so much for uh, being with us on this Friday. I told you it's a free for all, but not really a free for all because we had some great guests. Tell me I wasn't lying. Peter Kirst now educated me as he does each and every week on this program, usually on Tuesdays. But tremendous, tremendous content from Pete about uh, uh, his testimony before the House Judiciary yesterday on the immigration disaster that awaits us. Then I, in fact, I just got a <clears throat> text message from a friend, Pete, who said, I just learned more in the last 20 minutes than I learned in the last 20 years, listening to Bill Federer. I totally agree, 1,000%. I brought him on because I knew there's nobody I know, or know of even, that is a better and more more articulate uh, educator on the in the area of the American presidency, the American Revolution, American history, than Bill Federer. And with President's Day being Monday, there was nobody I would rather talk to or listen to, rather, uh, than Bill Federer. So I brought that out, and he was phenomenal. I'm going to have to listen to it again three or four times, pausing segment by segment to process all of the knowledge he just gave us. If you missed Bill Federer last segment, we are going to rerun it Monday as part of our Best Of show. The Best Of show Monday is going to feature the Anthony Gonzalez interview from the day after the impeachment vote. It's going to feature that Bill Federer interview because it's perfect for President's Day, among other things. But you're going to want to hear that. So I told you we had great guests. And they continue now with Christina Hagen, who's back with us for the second time. She is in a regular, she's now a regular guest in our rotation. She's going to visit us each and every Friday to comment on the news items of the day. And uh, she's, of course, a former four-term state representative joining us now on AM 1420. The Answer. Good to have you back, Christina. How are you? Great, great. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. 
It's a pleasure. Really, a lot of stuff to talk about today, obviously. <clears throat> Excuse me. As we, uh, I discussed with you briefly yesterday, you know, you, you do such a phenomenal job of commenting on, on, on your Facebook uh, page about some of the issues. You really make people think. You get a lot of people uh, engaged in great debate and discussion, and that's what I want to do. And I want to start because you, you posted about what a lot of people are commenting on, Christina, when it comes to cancel culture. We have seen so many conservatives being silenced for so many ridiculous reasons, um, be it by big tech on the social media platforms like the one we're talking about now. Uh, they have been silenced in terms of being fired from their jobs. They have been silenced in terms of having their reputations ruined or they've been doxxed because people are trying to make their lives miserable. And I'm looking for a way out and I'm looking for maybe a light at the end of the tunnel. After what they just did, to this actress from the Mandalorian series, which I guess is part of Star Wars. I'm not a Star Wars fan. But Gina Carano was fired by Disney because she had the temerity to comment on Twitter in a way that was less than woke. Christina, I was just outraged by this. Um, I am among those who are going to cancel the Disney Plus membership that my daughter talked me into buying. Um, what is your response to what you saw take place with Gina Carano, and what does it mean bigger picture? Well, it uh, it hits remarkably close to home for me because obviously being a conservative female voice, diversity and inclusion is not extended to you. Um, so watching what happened to her and just somebody who is speaking very frankly, but not even in a necessarily edgy way. I mean, she she said some basic things that she believes to be true. Um, that were not, you know, far from accurate, maybe, you know, a stretch on the Holocaust piece, but not a comparison that other Americans haven't made um, at different points in time. And yet this person uh, needs to be stripped of her livelihood, her career, her uh, professional trajectory and punished um, by the extremely radical, aggressive, progressive agenda of the left. And it's just it's disturbing because it's not it's not just happening to actresses. This is happening to everyday people. And I think about even, um, you know, somebody as close as a family member of mine who serves in a city safety services position who posted an image during the BLM riots. And it was an image of a person standing on a two by four that was attached to the edge of a building and sawing with a uh, hacksaw on the side of the building being closest to the building, the two by four, basically saying right. every American city as we speak. And you can't even have humor anymore. You can't laugh so you don't cry anymore. You can't make statements that are objectively accurate um, because now your livelihood is going to be under direct assault and attack of all of those who are looming over you with the handle and the lever on cancel culture. And that means that conservatives can no longer have a voice or a position professionally. And that's, that's a very disturbing place to be. What, what about the specific um, post that got her, you know, because the, there were people who came for her a long time ago. Uh, she posted, somebody demanded that she include in her bio her pronouns. And she got so tired of hearing people talk about that nonsense, she put nonsense words in there. She put like beep boop and beep boop or something like that. And, you know, so they were saying, get rid of her. She's transphobic. She won't support trans pronouns and all that stuff. But, Christina, what about this one that put it over the edge, apparently, this uh, reference to um, Jews in Germany in the mid-1930s? And, what her, and I'm paraphrasing her, her post, her tweet, so people can hear this. 
um, it was something to the effect of it wasn't the Nazis that just started beating Jews in the streets. It was their neighbors just because they were Jews. Um, the comparison being to today and what you and I are talking about, cancel culture for conservative, conservative women like you, uh, conservative Republicans in general. It wasn't the government that turned on them first. It was their own neighbors, their own, you know, countrymen, if you will. So what is your essentially they were they were outraged, I guess, at the comparison to, you know, what happened to the Jews in Germany. What's your takeaway from just that particular uh, image? Well, they don't believe she deserves freedom of speech. It's pretty simple. And if you listen, I mean, I heard Shapiro actually talk about this and being a Jewish American with an opinion. You know, he expressed he didn't he doesn't care for when people, you know, talk about it, but she didn't do anything that she can't do in America. And it wasn't derogatory in any way towards the Jewish culture. It was simply stating out the very real reality that it's not just the government, it's individuals who are manipulated by leaders in the government to believe that we should cancel people who have opinions that are different than ours. And that's what we're seeing. And it's unique to her because there's another um, member of the actual same show that she's being canceled from uh, that actually (laughs) talked about the Jewish Holocaust and making a direct correlation and comparison to children in cages in America. Um, Obviously, that person didn't talk about the fact that those cages were uh, constructed by liberals, um, and he didn't talk about the fact that those cages exist even in a conservative or liberal administration for the purposes of keeping children safe, not exterminating him. But he was allowed to make a comparison, um, one that fits the liberal agenda. His career is no way um, under any pressure, and she made a comparison that this is a dangerous idea. When we start canceling people that are different than us, that we disagree with, it looks something like Nazi Germany in the long haul. And this is a dangerous place to be. And so she is now therefore canceled. Now, you know, granted, she supported the president four or five months ago, you know, supported the president. Like you said, she was unwilling to concede her individualism as a female, as a woman, and adopt pronouns because she does not believe that there is anything other than male and female. And that is her right to believe that. And by the way, as conservatives, we should start standing on truth and not being manipulated and bullied into submission on this nonsense. And so I'm just afraid it's going to get worse and worse and more aggressive. Um, And I think conservatives are going to need to grow a backbone and start standing up no matter the cost, no matter the cost. That is very well said. We're talking with Christina Hagan, who is a uh, former Ohio state representative. She ran for Congress against Tim Ryan last year. And, uh, Let's pivot to that now, and let's talk about what's going on in the Congress, Christina. Today, obviously, uh, the defense begins of President Trump after, uh, I don't know, not even the full 16 hours uh, spent prosecuting him by the House managers with their lone article of impeachment. You've watched this kabuki theater as closely as anybody can, probably more closely than the senators have, because it's kind of funny. I've seen a montage of them sleeping and nodding off during the repetitive, same nonsense things that are being presented. But they are. They're talking amongst one another while testimonies going on and videos are playing. They're sleeping. But you've watched it as closely as I have. Does he even need to put on a defense today? No, the reality is it's unconstitutional from the get-go. There is no chief justice presiding. Justice John Roberts has declined. You know, at the very onset of this, it was um, it was not a legit 
practice from the very beginning. So there's really nothing to discuss here other than heightened political theater, which is the absolute norm for the liberal Democrats, heightening emotions um, and trying to impeach somebody who's no longer in office. And as far as I'm concerned, the Constitution requires that you're removing an office holder. And so I have, like many Americans, um, not been able to look away because it's just the car crash that you can't help but rubberneck at. And, you know, it's slowing down progress. It's slowing us down from being able to actually accomplish things for the American people. It is distracting us from other things that are going on, like the president uh, calling and making connections uh, with China, the president of China. We're not watching and observing things that are very important to foreign affairs and what will happen in this country with our troops and even what's going to happen in Afghanistan. Yet we're all looking at this train wreck because it's the show, the circus that they continue to put on. Um, and with they no real reality of an outcome. They know there is no outcome to be had, and all they wish to accomplish is to force the hand of saying that this man can no longer run for public office because at the end of the day, what it really boils down to is they know that he carries the banner for a whole lot of peaceful Americans who are fed up, and they can't hold a candle to him politically. So what will they do? When the truth shines, they'll cancel it. And so that's what they're doing. They're trying to cancel and shame millions and millions of Americans into submission, trying to paint all conservatives, all Republicans, all independents, all Democrats who voted for President Trump as nasty, evil, horrible people. Um, and it's just a sham. I mean, it's just heartbreaking that this is what our country does with taxpayer resources. Uh, do you think that the reason, because they know they're not going to do it, <clears throat> they're, they, they knew from the beginning they don't have the votes. Republicans, 17 Republicans, are not going to uh, join with the Democrats to do this. Ten Republican members of the House did, uh, but that's a different story. Uh, so what they're trying to do, though, is to lay out the case now, apparently, since they know he's going to be acquitted, through the 14th Amendment, I think it was, um, to say that anybody who has raised a hand, and that's a very loose paraphrase, but essentially made war upon the United States government in some way is ineligible for holding any office. In other words, they're trying to make sure he can never run again. Are they that terrified of him that he would win again? Or is this just political retribution for the last four years? Uh, it's, you know, both. Without question, they have never had somebody that has rocked their world like President Donald J. Trump. They have never had to answer from an outside force to the establishment. Um, they have controlled every lever for decades on end, um, explaining our radical debt and explaining our foreign involvement, explaining our policies now, and even seeing you know, the immediate um, pulling back on the Keystone Pipeline. There are a lot of people that have a lot of obligations and agreements that had nothing to do with the American people, that had nothing to do with this president taking the leadership position. So absolutely continues to be a direct threat, even while he's being quiet in Mar-a-Lago, even while we haven't heard from him. He might be a greater threat to them now than he has ever been uh, because he's exercising the sort of unique discipline of not vocalizing what he's thinking. So I'm sure they're more terrified than they've ever been. But absolutely, they want to take away his rights as an American citizen, a now private American citizen, continued to be under a witch hunt by the crazy radical Democrats in this country. Um, yeah, they want to take away his right to run because they know they can't beat him. And the same is true for the Republicans who don't care for his style, don't care for his policies, 
um, they know Let me that jump in there. threat to their existence as well. Yeah, well, there you go. That's the monkey in the wrench here. That's what I wanted to ask you. I, I wonder if they're not being too smart for their own good, if you will, talking about the left. <clears throat> they don't want him to run again because they're afraid he might beat them. Okay, I get that. But considering how many Republicans have abandoned him after, you know, the election, uh, you know, first of all, the riots, second of all, just, you know, the, the, the election was stolen stuff that they're now calling the big lie. Nikki Haley, I'm sure you saw this. Nikki Haley yesterday essentially said that we were led down the wrong path by the wrong man. I'm ashamed for having followed him. That's not that kind of thing. Wouldn't the Democrats be better served to have him eligible to run again, have him be a major player in the Republican Party, and thus splitting the Republican Party into such a terrible division that they will never be able to, uh, to beat the Democrats? No, because the reality is the president is still wildly popular with people who believe truth but are afraid to express it because of cancel culture. Americans are wide awake. And they're seeing something that they've never seen before, um, this continued on-site, non-stop, never-ceasing, never-ending fight to kill President Trump and cancel President Trump and anybody who believes what he believes. And somebody like Nikki Haley, no, that doesn't shock me because she's very flippant and changing her position. She was in the administration, out of the administration. Um, this is not somebody who shares the same foreign policies as President Trump. Um, and she obviously has her own goals of being president of the United States. So I don't think that is a reflection of the whole. I don't think Liz Cheney or Anthony Gonzalez are a reflection of the whole. I think they are a reflection of a minor contingency, and they're just getting it wrong because they believe so much in what they think the right form of the Republican Party is that people like me who are working-class people aren't really what the banner is about. It's more about the prestige and the excellence. It's not about the working class and um, America First agenda. There is a cultural war and shift that's happening in the Republican Party. And what we've seen, even with uh, the Marjorie Taylor Greene stuff, we've seen with the Liz Cheney stuff, is Liz Cheney was kept and protected by the establishment, but is pulling around 11% in her district. I would say that that is a reflection of where the Republican Party is as a whole. And so it's to the benefit of establishment-style Republicans to also cast out the president simultaneously because they know as long as he is eligible to run for office, he will carry the banner for conservative Americans, whether they are Republicans, independents, or Democrats in this country. Very well argued. That's why I wanted to ask the question. Terrific stuff, Christina. We're not going to get to the uh, to the National Anthem Wars. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. It'll probably take another twist or turn by then anyway. Christina Hagen, great stuff. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you. All right. That's Christina Hagen, four, a former four-term Ohio State representative, still a very active in politics, now as a pundit. And who knows where she goes from there. But we're gl- uh, very glad and uh, grateful to have her each and every Friday. Right now it's 1051, final time out of the day. And, yes, final segment coming up. You want to be a part of it? 216-901-0945, right here on The Answer.
Okay, 10.54, I've got time for a couple before the top of the hour, maybe three, depending on how you do. Let's uh, let's move it along. Say what you've got to say on this uh, final segment. Let's go to Medina. That's where Bob is on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Robert, go right ahead. Okay, yeah, I'll make this real quick. Uh, I just want to lighten up uh, the show uh, with a, uh, a, ver- uh, a real quick joke, if I can say it, please. And it's a clean one, you know, it's not offensive. Okay. Okay, the moral. Uh, it's not too long, is it? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, the moral of the story is interpretation. Okay, usually you say it at the end, but I'll, I'll tell it in the beginning to, for a good understanding, all right? So we have our friend Osama bin Laden uh, trying to enter into the gates of, of heaven, all right? And then uh, uh, as he approaches the gates, then out of the mist comes George Washington. Thomas Jefferson, Hamilton, and then, you know, the whole Continental uh, Congress surrounds him. And they start kicking the you-know-what out of him. And he's like, what's going on? What's going on? You know, you, you know, why are you doing this to me? You know, he goes, where's my 40 virgins? And uh, the uh, Continental Congress says, we are the Virginians. All right. Yeah. I'd heard heard that one before, uh, shortly after uh, bin Laden was killed, in fact. Thank you, my friend, for the phone call. And I'm glad. I appreciate the attempt to lighten the mood. Uh, The levity is appreciated. Thanks for the call. But, yeah, uh, first of all, the number was off, though. It's 72. That's what the Islamists who believe if you uh, die in service uh, to Allah by taking out, um, uh, uh, taking out, uh, um, oh, God, what's the word? What am I trying to say? Non-Muslims, non-believers, infidels, infidels. Yeah, infidels. If you take out infidels and you die in, in that service to Allah, you will be rewarded in heaven with 72 virgins. And the way the story goes is they misunderstood. It's Virginians, not virgins. And that's who greeted them. So I, I knew the joke as soon as you started talking about bin Laden trying to get into heaven. But I do appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Houston, Will on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Will, what's going on down there? His phone just dropped. Oh, my good friend Will in Houston, Texas, listens to us online, and I always love hearing from him, but uh, not today. Jeff in Cleveland. Hi, Jeff. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hello, Jeff. All right. Did all of the yeah, phones just, I just die wanted at the to same give my, I wanted to give my take on the uh, impeachment, uh, Bob. Uh, I just think the whole thing was a Please. setup from the get-go to uh, divert us, you know, from watching what's really going on, you know, the election fraud. Uh, just like your opinion on that, you know, plus the second. Wait, what, what do you mean? What, what do you th- what, hold on? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Before I give you my opinion, I want to make sure I understood the question. You think the impeachment trial itself is is going on to divert our attention away from the election fraud? Oh, yes. Well, we should be pushing that election fraud from the get go. I mean, that's been talked about every day from the time, you know, all, yeah. you know, the evidence is coming out, you know, and we seem to get away from that, and that's what they want. Uh, they don't want us talking about that. You know, uh, why is Joe Biden... Let me, let, uh, me offer, let me offer an addendum to that, um, if I may, and let, let me offer another, another part of that, and thank you, Jeff, for the okay. phone call. Um, many, many people have come to believe that the riot itself was planned to divert attention away from the election fraud meaning planned and carried out by agents provocateur leftists to stop the proceedings from going on because what Hawley and Cruz were doing in that joint session was trying to form and get the uh, rest of the Congress to go along with a 10-day bipartisan committee to explore and audit the election just to make sure everything was on the up and up. 
And it's a reasonable argument, argument to make. And the one way to stop that argument from, t- being t- from taking place is to go and create chaos there. And that was probably done more so to stop the election fraud details from being uncovered. I think there's some legitimacy to that. Now, that doesn't mean everybody who broke into the Capitol was trying to do that. Clearly not. But do I think some things are being done to kind of wag the dog and take the attention away from the real problem and the real issue? Yes, my friend, I do. That's where I'm going to leave it. Thanks so much to everybody. Great guests today. Thanks to Kersenow, Bill Federer, Christina Hagen. Thanks to you. Thanks to Andrew running solo, running the show today. Great job by you. Everyone have a safe weekend. Best of show on Monday, President's Day. Back live on Tuesday. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.